Good day and welcome to Paymentus's fourth quarter 2022 earnings call. This call is being recorded. All participants are currently in a listen-only mode. There will be an opportunity for questions following management's prepared remarks. At this time, I'd like to hand the call over to Paul Seaman, Interim Chief Financial Officer, for some introductory comments. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to Paymentus's fourth quarter 2022 earnings call. Joining me on the call today is Dushant Sharma, our founder and CEO. Following our prepared remarks, we will take questions. Our press release is issued after the close of market today and is posted on our website where this call is being simultaneously webcast. The webcast replay of this call and the supplemental slides accompanying this presentation will be available on our company's website under the Investor Relations link at ir.pymesis.com. Statements made on this webcast include forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Forward-looking statements use words such as will, believe, expect, anticipate, and similar phrases that denote future expectation or intent regarding our financial results and guidance, the impact of, and our ability to address continued economic uncertainty and inflation, our market opportunities, business strategies, implementation timing, product enhancements, impact from acquisitions and other matters. These forward-looking statements speak as of today, and we undertake no obligation to update them. These statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that may cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth in such statements, including the risks and uncertainties set forth under the captions, special note regarding forward-looking statements, and risk factors in our annual report on Form 10-K for the year ended December 31, 2021 which we filed with the SEC on March 3, 2022, and our annual report on Form 10-K for the year ended December 31, 2022, which we expect to file with the SEC shortly, and elsewhere in our other filings with the SEC. We encourage you to review these detailed safe harbor and risk factor disclosures. In addition, during today's call, we will discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures, specifically contribution profit, adjusted gross profit, Adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA margin are non-GAAP financial measures. These non-GAAP financial measures, which we believe are useful in measuring our, our performance and liquidity, should be considered in addition to and not a substitute for or in isolation from GAAP results. We encourage you to review additional disclosures regarding these non-GAAP measures, including reconciliations with the most directly comparable GAAP measures in our earnings press release issued today and the supplemental slides for this webcast, each available on the Investor Relations page of our website. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to Dushant Sharma, our founder and CEO. Thank you, Paul. We had a strong quarter that was successful, both financially and strategically. On the financial front, we exited the year ahead of our initial annual top-line expectations that we set at the beginning of 2022. On the strategic front, among other milestones in the quarter, we recently launched a product for small and medium-sized businesses, commonly referred to as SMBs, over our IPN ecosystem that we expect to expand our TAM and enhance our ability to change a portion of our model from interchange being a cost center to a revenue center. Let me discuss the financial highlights first. As you can see on slide three, we finished 2022 with, uh, with stronger than anticipated results in the fourth quarter. 
our revenue for the quarter was $132.2 million, up 22.2% year over year, and contribution profit was $54.1 million, up 19.4% year over year. We also expanded margins sequentially. Our adjusted EBITDA was $10.2 million for the quarter, with a corresponding margin of almost 19%. On slide four, we show our performance for full year 2022, our first full year of being public. We finished with revenues of $497 million, which represented growth of almost 26% and was higher than our expectations that we shared with you at the beginning of 2022. Contribution profit was $201.3 million, representing 27% growth, which was within our updated range of expectations. Adjusted EBITDA finished at $28.6 million with a 14.2% margin, which was within our initial range of expectations. On a full year basis, our dollar volume increased over 70%, which reflects our continued move to serve larger and larger clients and increased scale in payment ecosystem. In the quarter, we achieved several milestones as outlined on slide five. First, we signed a large bank, Citizens Financial Group, for consumer bill payment with our bill center product. We believe this is a very good sign of things to come for bill payment sales to financial institutions as we have larger and larger institutions evaluating our modern product to replace their legacy solutions. Second, in the quarter, we expanded the reach of the instant payment network through a partnership with Green Dot to accept cash payments at over 90,000 retail locations across the U.S. We continue to support consumer choice of payment channels and methods and are working to add more and more partners to the network to capture additional payment volume over ITN. Third, we partner with a large real estate platform to be one of its payments offering for rent payments. Mm -hmm. Additionally, we completed the implementation of a loan payment client that was a cross-sale of our BillerDraft platform into our bank bill payment customer base. We expect to see continued penetration in the banking and credit union markets for our loan payment offering. In addition, we also launched a large mortgage services company towards the end of Q4. As I mentioned a minute ago, we are also pleased to announce the launch of our SMB platform that combines the features of our current platform with a new product offering and team that we acquired in the quarter. Our SMB product is a full-service financial uh, offering to SMBs and offers complete self-onboarding with no implementation involved. It starts with automating business banking and attaches to it a full-service SMB operating system that automates payables, receivables, and expense management using the payment test platform. As I shared last quarter, we send out millions of payments to over a million payees, many of whom are SMBs. All of these are outside of our direct biller network, yet they participate in our ecosystem and receive payments. We believe this presents a very efficient distribution channel for us, which we plan to leverage to attract such customers. As you know, there are six, over six million SMBs and millions more small office and home office offices in the US alone. In addition to the expansion of our TAM, 
with this offering, we seek to change the economic model by generating interchange revenues. In other words, in contrast to Biller Direct, in this offering, interchange is no longer a cost center. Instead, it's a revenue center for us. With that background, let me turn to our 2023 guidance on slide seven. In 2023, we expect our revenues uh, to be in the range of $575 million to $600 million, which is 16 to 21% growth. We expect contribution profit from $224 million to $237 million, or 11 to 18% growth. We, ex we expect adjusted EBITDA of $32 million to $38 million, and adjusted EBITDA margin range of 14 to 16%. As you can see, we have initially provided a broad range for contribution profit guidance, which somewhat diminishes its utility. In an inflationary environment and given its related dependence on factors outside of our control, we believe initial contribution profit guidance requires more flexibility. However, we have a high degree of confidence regarding our ability to deliver on the guidance measures we are most focused on in 2023, the top and the bottom line, much like how we executed in 2022. Let me now talk briefly about our expectations for the first quarter of 2023 on slide eight. For the first quarter of 2023, we expect revenues to be between $136 million and $140 million contribution profit to be between $51 million and $53 million, and EBITDA to be between $7 and $8 million. But before I turn the call uh, over to Paul, let me address the guidance itself. If I'm you, I'll be wondering, is the business slowing down? Why isn't the growth higher? And the short answer is no. I don't believe the business is slowing down. The best way I can describe the business from my vantage point is, that to hit the top end of each of our guidance range uh, provided in 2023, believe, I believe that we do not need to sign a single additional client in 2023 and only implement the existing backlog, backlog of currently signed clients. The reason for our broad ranges is the macroeconomic environment we are operating in. Our growth in bookings continues to accelerate but the timing of implementation and onboarding is primarily controlled by the clients, which is impacted uh, by the macro. I believe our platform itself is capable of launching engaged clients swiftly. I would also add that my team and I are excited about the future of our business and where we are strategically taking it. I believe that great businesses achieve great things during challenging times and use it as an opportunity to innovate and set the stage for future disruptive models, as we are doing here at Pementus. With that, Paul will provide more color on our 2022 results and each of the guidance numbers. Thanks, Dushant. As a reminder, today's discussion includes GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures. Please refer to the tables in our press release and supplemental slides for reconciliation of the non-GAAP items for the most directly comparable GAAP financial measure. I'm pleased with our fourth quarter results. The strong performance was highlighted by repricing actions and improved expense management, leading to an adjusted EBITDA nearing 20%. In the fourth quarter, we processed 97.2 million transactions, a 16.7% increase over the same period last year. Transaction growth in the quarter faced a difficult compare relative to Q4 2021, 
where we experienced over 50% growth due to the implementation of a large high-volume client and the continued rollout of our large logistics client. For the full year 2022, we processed 366.9 million transactions, an increase of 30.8% compared to 2021. Our fourth quarter revenue was $132.2 million, an increase of 22.2% compared to the same period last year. Revenue grew faster than the growth in transaction count for the quarter, largely driven by the launch of several clients, primarily in the telecommunications, insurance, and government payment verticals, where the earned revenue per transaction is typically higher than average. The revenue for the full year was $497.0 million, an increase of 25.7% compared to 2021. Contribution profit increased 19.4% over the fourth quarter of 2021 to $54.1 million. Contribution profit for 2022 increased to $201.3 million, an increase of 27.0% over 2021. Contribution profit per transaction for the quarter was $0.56, cents, and for the full year is $0.55, cents, which was consistent with our expectations. As we have continued to highlight in prior quarters and as mentioned in the past, fluctuations outside of our control, such as increases in the average payment amount or unfavorable swings in the payment mix can influence contribution profit quarter by quarter. Throughout the year, we operated in a highly inflationary environment, particularly in the utility sector, which at times experienced inflation north of 20% in 2022. In the back half of 2022, we worked diligently to manage expenses and took on several pricing actions to offset some of the inflationary headwind we experienced throughout the year. Some leisure pricing actions were successfully executed in the fourth quarter of 2022. For other clients, we're currently actively engaged in repricing conversations. Adjusted gross profit increased $8.5 million to 23.5% compared to the fourth quarter of 2021 to $44.6 million. For the full year, adjusted gross profit increased $34.4 million, or 27.0% to $161.8 million. Adjusted EBITDA was $10.2 million for the fourth quarter, which represented an 18.9% adjusted EBITDA margin. While still not in the high 20s margin level we were at before going public, this is a new high watermark as a public company and shows our ability to expand margin. Adjusted EBITDA for 2022 was $28.6 million, representing a 14.2% adjusted EBITDA margin. Operating expense rose $6.2 million to $39.6 million for the fourth quarter of 2022 from the same period last year, and $41.6 million increased to $152.7 million for the full year compared to 2021. Specifically, the largest increases were noted in sales and marketing, which increased $5.3 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, to $20.2 million compared to the same period in 2021. For the full year, sales and marketing expenses were up $29.4 million in 2022 and $73.3 million compared to 2021. On a year-over-year basis, the increase was driven by the Payveris acquisition, continued expansion of the sales team, adding partnerships to capture our sizable market opportunity, and an increase in stock-based compensation. We continue to invest in sales and marketing in 2023 to drive top-line revenue growth as we target existing and new biller segments, including IPN and now SMB opportunities. Our gap net income for the fourth quarter 2022 was $1.0 million, and for the full year 2022 was a loss of $0.05 million. Gap EPS was a penny and zero cents for the fourth quarter 2022, 
and full year 2022, respectively. Non-GAAP net income was $3.0 million for the quarter and $8.1 million for the year. Non-GAAP EPS was $0.02 and $0.07 for the quarter and year, respectively. As of December 31, 2022, we had $147.3 million of cash and cash equivalents on our balance sheet. Cash decreased primarily due to using cash for the small pre-revenue SMB product acquisition in the quarter. At year-end, we had approximately 123 million shares of common stock outstanding. Now, turning to our 2023 full-year outlook. As Dushant said, we expect revenue for the full year 2023 to be between $575 million and $600 million, or 16 to 21% growth year-over-year. Contribution profit is anticipated to be between $224 million and $237 million, or 11 and 18% growth year-over-year. We continue to anticipate high inflation, higher than historical norms, which creates a headwind for growth, especially contribution profit growth. Adjusted EBITDA is expected to be between $32 and $38 million, resulting in an expected EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA margin of approximately 14 to 16%. This range anticipates margin expansion over 2022, while still allowing us to invest in small business and other growth initiatives. To provide some additional color on the phasing throughout the year, we anticipate that both growth metrics and the adjusted EBITDA margin will be at their lowest levels of the year in the first quarter of 2023. This is partially due to a difficult compare in Q1 of 2022 when we had a 35% contribution profit growth, and partially due to the timing of implementations with no large billers going live in the first quarter of 2023. Revenue growth should accelerate throughout the year while growth and contribution profit will partially depend on inflationary pressures and other factors. As such, we expect revenue growth in Q1 to be between $136 million and $140 million, or 17 to 20% growth, and contribution profit to be between $51 and $53 million in the range of 8 to 12% growth. Adjusted EBITDA is expected between $7 and $8 million in the first quarter, a margin of 13 to 15% which would be a minimum of a 2% increase over the 11% margin we had in Q1 of 2021. We expect this margin to expand each quarter throughout the year on a year-over-year basis, following a similar cycle as we had last year. This magnified somewhat this year by a change we made in our employee review and compensation cycle for 2023. In previous years, raises and bonuses were given on an employee's anniversary, more or less evenly distributed throughout the year. This year, all raises were effective January 1st. So we expect a step up in employee costs earlier than normal, suppressing margin earlier in 2023 and helping it in the fourth quarter. We believe, we believe the company is well positioned for the future. We've built a strong, profitable company with financial flexibility in the balance sheet. We've passed several key milestones and believe we continue to be positioned well to grow for a long time. I'll now turn the call over to Duchamp for closing comments. Thanks, Paul. I'm proud that our team came together and delivered on most of our original expectations in 2022. I believe that this illustrates the resilience of our business despite the difficult macro environment. We are very confident about the long-term growth prospects of the business, especially given the expanding ITN ecosystem we are building, which we believe allows us to reach a broader TAN and leverages the entire spectrum of interchange from a cost center in our biller business to interchange neutral in ITN business, 
to interchange being a revenue source in our SMB offering and beyond. We remain excited about the demand for our products in all of the industry verticals we are operating in. So as Paul mentioned, we are, we are leaning in and making uh, continued investments in the sales and marketing while also seeking expanded margins in 2023. With that, I'll open the line for questions. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. If for any reason you would like to remove that question, please press star followed by two. Again, to ask a question, press star one. As a reminder, if you're using a speakerphone, please remember to pick up your handset before asking your question. We will pause here briefly as questions are registered. The first question is from the line of Ashwin Shervikar with City. Your line is now open. Uh, thank you. Hi, uh, Hi, Paul. Um, hey, I uh, have a couple of questions. I guess the first one is with regards to uh, citizens. Um, but if you could, the, the, the question is a bit more stepped back than that. If you can talk broadly about sort of the, you know, bidder direct versus the bank aggregator models and whether this sort of indicates you're kind of leaning into in, in, into both models now um, as, as, as opposed to primarily one of them um, before is that the right way to think of it? And, and then the financial part of the question is whether um, something like citizens, which can obviously be a very large client, um, is in your um, 23 expectations. Is it rolled in there? Uh, good question. Uh, good question. Thank you, Ashwin. So, uh, aggregator versus biller direct, and so as you as you recall, our our strategy has been right from the beginning uh, from. Horizon 1 and 2 being centered on uh, mid-market and enterprise billing companies, respectively. And Horizon 3 is about trying to bring, uh, basically, uh, uh, remove the chasm that has existed between pay any one of the aggregator models, historically using the paper-based paradigm uh, the banks currently employ, to a more modern paradigm which uh, IPN offers. Uh, uh, what that means is you're, you're basically taking uh, any bank customer uh, payment and bringing it in real time uh, to the billing companies participating in IPN uh, directly. So that model is actually extremely well received by the banks, and what we are really trying to do is we are looking at it from both sides of the house uh, uh, or the spectrum uh, of usage. One is the billing companies. Billing companies want more and more payments, more directly, more in real time, and uh, from all channels, and banks being one of them. And banks want, banks' customers want a totally different uh, experience than what they have been receiving uh, from the system that were, that were designed in the 1980s. So uh, uh, with that, we see a great opportunity on both sides, uh, and, and that's exactly what we are pursuing. And we, today, we have uh, uh, you know, hundreds of uh, banks and credit unions who are already on our platform, and uh, we are extremely proud to welcome uh, Citizens Bank uh, as well. Uh, and uh, in terms of the financial uh, part of it, I think a very small, a modest number is uh, uh, in our 2023 
so uh, mo most of the growth will come in uh, outer years. Understood. Um, and if I can shift gears to payment as for SMBs, um, quite a notable um, expansion there. Um, I, I just I, one question I had was how much of this is ready currently? I mean, I would say the payments engine clearly you, you have, I believe. But you know, on, on, if I look at uh, uh, page six of your presentation, there's uh, expense management, there's business cards. You know, it's kind of a fairly broad offering. Are, are there partnerships already set up and ready to go, or is this aspirational at this stage? Uh, this is actually live right now. Uh, most most of this is live uh, and uh, and operating. Uh, and uh, uh, what uh, we don't have a lot uh, in our uh, in our model is the financial numbers from it. But in terms of the product capability, uh, it is live. It's operational it's in production, and we are uh, uh, frankly trying to uh, uh, grow the segment. And as I share in my prepared remarks. If you think about it, we are sending out payments to uh, we are sending out millions of payments right now and uh, to uh, million plus payees, and many of them are SMBs, and we have been working on it for quite some time. And now we are saying, well, if they are already part of the IPN ecosystem, why aren't inviting them and offering them a thing of value so that we can actually bring more of their first of all bring them into our ecosystem more directly, participate in our uh, uh, IPN and therefore be reachable uh, to any of the financial institutions uh, who participates in the IPN network as well. And uh, on top of that, generate revenue. And the approach we have taken is uh, that we, we want to monetize interchange here, uh, and, and th that's what uh, uh, we are doing. Uh, so it is early days, but we have recently launched it. Got it. If I could squeeze a, a third question in. Um, are you seeing any change in behavior on in the consumer side with regards to um, either tendency to pay or, or a shift in um, w what the, what instrument they use to pay? Uh, just from a economic or macro standpoint, are you seeing any changes? I'll jump in here, Dushan. It's I, I was looking at this earlier today. It's very steady in terms of credit debit ACH mix. Um, I'd say the one thing that stands out more recently in the last couple quarters is the advanced payment methods, the Venmos, the PayPal wallets, those kind of things are starting to grow and, and not be a material portion of the transactions, but starting to register a little bit more and more. But if you're asking about credit usage in the consumer, we aren't seeing a shift there or anything to be concerned about in that regard yet. Okay, got it. Thank you. Thank you for your question. The next question is from the line of John Davis with Raymond James. Your line is now open. Hi, this is Taylor on from JD. Um, and maybe just to start on pricing actions, uh, can you help us um, understand what the pace of the rest of the pricing action implementations will look like throughout the year and uh, into 2024? Uh, look, we are having discussions with clients, and uh, a lot of those discussions have gone well. Some of the pricing action has already uh, taken place uh, and will be at, uh, will start showing up in our numbers. 
uh, and uh, uh, others we are already having the discussion uh, with clients and uh, and it's going well so this will continue throughout the year we are looking at uh, every single uh, instance every single client every single area wherever we we see uh, a pressure uh, building from the uh, inflation uh, macro uh, we are taking action there uh, and, and frankly we are receiving uh, by and large, a, 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 a receptive uh, client uh, ears. Okay, great. Good to hear. And then um, just on the inflation impact of the business, um, is there a way to help quantify the impact inflation is having on your ability to expand EBITDA margin into 2023? Well, I mean, if, uh, if inflation wasn't a factor, uh, uh, our EBITDA margin would be, uh, I mean, several points higher. Uh, I mean, several points higher. Uh, so uh, it is, as we shared, uh, I think, towards the uh, uh, end of last year, uh, and I think in some of the calls, that uh, overall we are seeing a five to eight point uh, impact to, uh, to our uh, uh, contribution profit, and, and a lot of that translates into EBITDA. So. Uh, as this gets behind us, I think our ability, as Paul mentioned, our ability to expand margins, uh, uh, you saw in Q4, uh, uh, we did a great job and, and margins were almost touching uh, 19%, 20%. So we, we, we have the ability to do that, and uh, we feel uh, good about that uh, uh, later on as well. Thank you for your question. Next question is from the line of Darren Peller with Wolf Research. Your line is now open. Hey, it's Andrew on for Darren. Thanks for the question. Just a quick one. Did you disclose biller count for the full year? I believe it was 1,700 at year in 21. So any framework around that would be appreciated. Hi, Darren. We're still finalizing some of the metrics for the 10K, so we, we don't have it quite yet, but should have it out next week when we publish uh, the final version of that. Couple. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for your question. The next question is from the line of Andrew Bach with SMBC. Your line is now open. Hey guys, it's uh, Lamar on for Andrew. Um, thanks for taking the question. Um, last quarter you had mentioned that you expect to exit 2022 with 100 million of new bookings. So I just wanted to see if that was the case. And then can you also just provide an initial view on what the implementation pipeline is looking so far um, two months into the year? So we we did achieve that. We finished over $100 million, uh, uh, stronger than we thought uh, we were going to do, so we're very happy with the bookings performance. And uh, we're off to a great start this year uh, as well. And... Uh, 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 in terms of the implementation pipeline, as, uh, I refer, refer you back to the prepared remarks I said, that if we actually, uh, uh, to, to deliver the top line of our expectations uh, uh, on the top line of the revenue, we don't need to sign any new client. So that should give you some indication. Got you. And then just to touch back on the um, point around the drag that inflation is having on growth, is there anything else here that we should be considering um, outside of the macro? Um, is it is it just um, 
is it just delayed implementations um, of onboardings? I think it's two, uh, two, two factors. I mean, implement, uh, in delayed implementations is one of them, and the other one is the pressure on the uh, contribution profit itself on the inflation. Uh, so, as you know, uh, in, in some cases, in some specific uh, sector for a utility uh, client base, uh, as the uh, uh, as the average payment amount gets inflated, that affects our contribution profit temporarily. And that's what I was trying to say, that client discussions are going well and we are uh, making the adjustments. Uh, uh, and and uh, some of that has gone, uh, some of that is already implemented, some of that is already in the process, uh, and some of that will happen throughout the year. Thanks. And sorry, just one more from me. On um, IPN, I think previously you had said that you expect it to grow to a double-digit share of the overall business. Is that still the case? I think we um, uh, uh, not quite. So it's not, uh, but it's it's growing faster than our uh, uh, our uh, our business, uh, our the core business uh, you're, you're seeing. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your question. The next question is from the line of Tian Huang with J.P. Morgan. Your line is now open. Hey, good afternoon. Dushan, I was wanted to ask um, for a little bit more color on on how you think about the pipeline and, and the backlog because, you know, we've been hearing broadly about bigger deals coming back and enterprises looking to, you know, be more careful with spend but, but also look for, for opportunities to be more efficient and have better customer engagement. So, how, how do you think that all shakes out for for Paymentus and, and your thoughts on, you know, replenishing your backlog and, and sizing of the pipeline, that kind of thing? Yeah, actually, great question, uh, Tinjan. So uh, the, the way to think about this will be, and, and if I may take a step back, actually, uh, if you if you recall that we have Horizon One, the, the mid market, and then Horizon Two, which is enterprise. During the COVID, what we felt was that the discussions that didn't require boardroom presence, where the multiple executives are involved in making the decision, those discussions were uh, were happening fine and fast, just as fast as earlier, including the implementation. So signing the client and implementations was fine, but where there used to be a high touch customer engagement. Uh, whether it was related to signing of the client or implementing of uh, such clients, there we started to see a little bit of slowness uh, during the COVID years. What we have seen is a reversal of the trend uh, uh, the second half of last year uh, and the beginning of this year as well. What we are seeing is we are able to meet the clients uh, both from prospecting but also during implementation process. So it is happening at a little bit faster pace than uh, uh, earlier. Uh, actually, it's accelerating. And uh, as we shared, the last year uh, was great. Uh, it was uh, uh, significant growth over the year before. And this year is off to a great start. Uh, so we, we, we see uh, continued acceleration of our bookings, uh, uh, especially in the enterprise, uh, enterprise segment. Uh, uh, as COVID is uh, getting behind us. And, and frankly, if I may uh, make a broader statement here, as some of the big tech companies start to bring people back home and which makes it easier for other technology companies as well uh, to have the discussion with their employee pool, I think, and which further translates into uh, 
clients bringing their technology teams uh, back into the offices, we believe that that trend will actually be a positive uh, for both uh, in booking new business, but also uh, uh, bringing customers live at a faster pace. Great. Thank you for that. Just a quick follow-up to that. Like with the implementations, have you found more efficiency, you know, in, in how you go about dealing with, with implementations um, in, in general? How, how big of a focus and um, – or how big of an improvement have you seen there, if if any? I know there's a lot of changes going on the labor side, but just curious if automation and things like that have helped you there, give you better line of sight on, on implementation cost and delivery. Yeah, actually, this is a, as you can imagine, we uh, we, we wouldn't be talking about implementation as a factor uh, if we weren't very serious about uh, internally as well and, and looking at it uh, uh, from all angles. One of the interesting aspects about the implementations is that vast majority of our clients require actually no changes to our platform to go live. And majority of those, uh, vast majority of those are in the mid-market segment or the Horizon 1 segment. These clients that require a lot more hand-holding and uh, sophisticated and complex workflows, uh, they tend to be very large clients. And that's where majority of the revenue is in some ways, but uh, and that's where majority of the work ends up uh, being. And even there, we are actually making a lot of investments in trying to figure out can we uh, can we technologically uh, uh, bring uh, sophisticated business rules engines uh, uh, based on all the different trends we have seen so far, and make it even easier without coding uh, to bring the customers uh, alive. Uh, and uh, and we have been very successful at that uh, in many cases. Uh, like for example, integration of a integration of a large client doesn't take a lot of time uh, for us, uh, large or small. It is more the complex business rules which uh, we are now uh, working on. So we are seeing continued progression, uh, and we, uh, and we are getting to a place where. Once this macro is somewhat behind us, I think we would have a pretty good handle on how well uh, we are able to execute against implementation timelines, uh, even for larger clients. All right. All right. That's great. Thank you, Deshaun. Thank you for your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you for your question. There are currently no further questions registered, so as a reminder, it is star one on your telephone keypad. The next question is from the line of Jason Kupberg with Bank of America. Your line is not open. Hey, guys. This is Melissa on for Jason. Um, I just had a question about, like, revenues per transaction. I guess since with the introduction of the new SMB product, um, are we kind of expecting revenue per transaction for 2023 to increase or kind of remain stable versus 2022? The SMB product is still early stage, and, and we're not accounting for it in 2023 guidance. We don't expect any material revenue from it, um, so it's not going to affect revenue per transaction. We will see, depending on inflation, um, some pressure on contribution profit per transaction, potentially throughout the year, depending on how our pricing actions flow through um, and other things. So it was it was stable for, for most of 2022, but... We expect a little bit of pressure, uh, maybe on the top line revenue per transaction, as well as contribution profit per transaction throughout 2023. 
Okay, cool. Thanks. Thank you for your question. There are no additional questions waiting at this time, so I'll pass the conference back to the management team for any closing remarks. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for taking the time. Really appreciate it, and have a great year. Thank you. That concludes the conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect your lines.